It's Thursday the 25th of November 2021 and you're listening to episode 42 of Reds Unrestricted. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Well, normally we'd start the podcast by, you know, playing our Who Am I game. But today we've got a bit of podcast news to begin with. So myself and Dan have decided that we want the sort of uh, permanent third fixture on the podcast if you like um, and that person is going to be uh, Chloe Blocks who we had on a few weeks ago so I guess before we get into any um, match reaction or, or discussion we should really start with that so uh, Chloe how are you and welcome to the podcast I suppose. Thank you yeah I'm, I'm good uh, I'm feeling good after last night anyway the second half. <laughs> yeah um, first half was a little bit of a uh, of a dull affair maybe but I thought yeah the the game really picked up second half and um yeah I suppose we we should sort of uh, get into it now um as usual we'll start with our three word match reviews um Dan I'll come to you first um not only do I want your review though um could I also have some reaction I mean this may be what your review is about um Thiago's goal and also what you thought of Klopp's uh, team selection given that this was um, to all intents and purposes, a bit of a, a dead rubber. Uh, yeah, so my three-word match review, um, it definitely is linking to Thiago's goal because it is Thiago has arrived. Um, listen, it's a, it's a stunning goal, isn't it? It's it's absolutely incredible technique-wise. Um, it's an absolute joy to watch from from every angle. There's a lot of debate whether it kissed the turf or not. I've seen on Twitter this morning, but it's just brilliant. Um, and I actually thought, just to finish on him, I thought he was superb throughout. Um, I know he was awarded man the match in a lot of quarters, but I just felt like we haven't really seen the best of him yet at Liverpool, um, even though he's clearly a world-class footballer. And I just, that last night is what we expected from him when we signed him. And I hope he can kick on from there because he was absolutely, absolutely superb, like I say. Um, in terms of more generally, I thought similar to Chloe, we didn't really get going first half, bit disjointed. Um, Look like a side that has not been thrown together, but hadn't played together often, should we say? Um, and and that was the case, I suppose, in many ways with team selection. I was surprised. I know we spoke earlier in the day as to how strong we went. I thought there were some particularly surprising calls. Maybe Salah and Mane are the two you'd look at outfield-wise. Um, Allison in goal didn't make a whole deal of sense to me. I thought when I seen he was captain, I thought maybe that's why, and he wanted his leadership qualities on the field and give him chance to captain the side as well was nice but overall it was a bit stronger than I expected for what was a dead rubber um, but Klopp was very spiky in the build-up about you know respecting the competition respecting the opposition and and the rhythm side of things as well so perhaps we shouldn't have been surprised he did pick such a strong side. Yeah I didn't actually um, get a chance to watch the press conference but um, from what I heard there was a question about um the, the Michelin game last year and uh, and what happened to Jota potentially, um, which he didn't take particularly well. Um, but Chloe, I'll come to you. I saw a clip on your on your Twitter yesterday um, of sort of Thiago's goal as as it went in. I'm going to try and edit the sound of that into the podcast. Um, so if I fail, I'll just have to edit this bit out. Um, but yeah, I'll try and get that little clip in because I thought it was just the sort of sheer amazement in your voice kind of summed it up really. But Oh, 
Yeah, same to you. Three-word review and, uh, yeah, thoughts on the team selection? My three-word review would be massive second half. Um, I just, for me, I was really surprised with the team news. Um, I think a lot of people, if you would have saw an injury last night, um, everyone would have been fuming at clock because we've seen it happen before. But saying that, um, you looked at like the the academy and the academy was struggling um, for like players as well with injuries. So I guess he, he didn't really have much choice um, to use anyone else. He could have used Gordon, but Gordon played in the under 19s. Um, and you know, obviously Morton gets a start, which is brilliant for him, and uh, he played really well, which is which is boss for him. But as you say, the, the Thiago goal, I think. At half time, I was I was just saying we just need one bit of quality because <laughs> it was very hard to find that one bit of quality for 45 minutes. Um, I think Porto could have been one two nil up. Uh, we had some half chances here and there, but my word, I didn't expect for for such a slog of a game. I did not expect um, that Thiago strike to be the thing that made it. I thought you might get a scruffy goal somewhere. It was just that type of game in the first half. And then all of a sudden I see one of the best strikes I've ever seen of a ball. Um, it reminded me of Gerard the way he cut across it. And watching it from the cop, you could see the way he moved his body round the ball. Um, and you see it all the time and he goes to do passes, which by the way, last night in the first half, um, my main thing from that first half was my word, Thiago is unreal at passing a ball, isn't he? And then he goes and does that. But um, it's great to see and it's great for him because I feel like, you know, you sit here and we're talking about the fact that we've not seen the best of him. But he probably gets a load of criticism from the media, from everyone else, saying that he's not actually shown up either. Um, so it's it's good that he can silence those who think he doesn't have the quality um, because he clearly does with a strike like that. And uh, he was superb all game, deserving of man of the match. And, I think in that second half, I don't think a single player was below uh, an eight rating, to be honest. And um, Alisson didn't really need to do anything. Um, from back to front, we were really, really good. And uh, Salah's goal, I think Salah's goal goes under the radar as well because he sits someone on their ass for that goal. Um, that was a very, very nice goal. But yeah, as you say, um, my commentary for the game, I, I was just, I just didn't expect it. When he went to hit it, I was like, oh, this, this might be something. But I didn't expect him to hit it like a Steven Gerrard against, you know, kind of Olympiacos kind of thing. Well, yeah, I think there was a sort of um, almost ambitious uh, cry of shoot from the crowd. Uh, just because you're obviously going to say that when someone kind of steps onto the ball sort of within 10 yards of the box. But, um, yeah, just everyone was sort of taken aback, I think. And it's one of those goals where you almost just want to watch it back and just try and appreciate the the minutiae of it and like the the really the technical details um and you know when you watch the flight of the ball it's like I, I can't really recall many goals like it to be honest the ball seems to almost change height a couple of times like the trajectory of it I know Dan was talking about did it actually kiss the grass but it, to me it didn't look like that to me it looked like it almost like looked like it was going to touch the surface and then like kind of rose back up I, I can't fathom how someone can you know can hit a football like that to be honest um 
but yeah, my three word review was all right for some. And that's a um a reference to what Oxley Chamberlain said in his interview with Tiago uh, for BT Sports when the uh the interviewer asked if Tiago had um scored a prettier goal than that and Tiago thought that he probably had. Um so clearly he's got a uh, bit of a catalogue in that respect. Um but yeah, I'm not sure there's any anyone else who can, you know, certainly in our team who can do that. And I think that's the point um Michael Owen was was making on the coverage uh yesterday. Um in terms of the game more generally, I thought couldn't really have asked for, for any more. You know, we'll come on to to Martin and, and Tiago's performance um more generally, but obviously they, they were two huge positives. You had a clean sheet as well, um, another goal for Salah. And also, I think another feature of it was getting players who are returning from injury, um, like Henderson, Robertson and Milner, all relatively minor injuries, but getting them on, getting some minutes in their legs. And that gives you more sort of viable options there for the game at the weekend as well. So I think that's a, another positive. So, yeah, um, a really good night when it could have just been a bit of a, a lacklustre affair. Um, in the end, it turned out turned out really well. Team selection wise, um, I think you both kind of encapsulated the what the issue was for Klopp in a way, because you know, you look at some of the more surprising starters in there, um, you know, like Salah and Mane, for example, and uh Thiago, even because he could potentially be playing three games in a week now, um, as could Oxley Chamberlain, which isn't great given their injury histories, but then you actually think, do we have fit enough uh players that we can replace them with without totally you know compromising the team and and uh you know risking you know a bit of a heavy defeat so um yeah i thought maybe stronger than i would have liked but by a little bit but equally i can understand it and on the allison one you know it was a real opportunity for for keller but you know, as Dan alluded to, you know, the captain's armband, maybe it's to do with sort of his presence, um, which is kind of something that's hard for, for maybe us to appreciate. But yeah, let's um, stay on Tiago, I suppose, because we've talked about the goal, but I want to talk a bit more about the performance. Um, you know, Dan mentioned that he's been sort of universally recognised as the, the man of the match. Uh, Chloe, would you agree that he was basically head and shoulders above yesterday? I think he was brilliant, but I think that midfield three was the real engine. I, I thought Ox could have easily got it. If, if Thiago doesn't score that wonder strike, and he's, you know, then I think it is going to Ox. And it, it's kind of unfair for Ox in a sense because he's got a lot of criticism this season. He's got a lot of criticism the last couple of seasons because he's out more than he's in um, with injuries. But... He's actually got a runner runner games in him, and I thought he was absolutely superb tonight. I think him and Thiago were on were on a, a different level. Um, Thiago just seemed to be absolutely everywhere. Um, his his passing range is absolutely ridiculous, um, and he really did run the show. It wasn't like um, at times we see Thiago make stupid fouls because it seems like he can't make a tackle without getting a yellow card, but. There was none of that. There was composure. Um, and, and the way times at Porto were really on us. And it, it seemed like we couldn't get out. Um, and, you know, 
he managed in the middle of that to continue to close down, to um, do the box to box, to also have Morton next to him um, and coaching him through the game, which, you know, wouldn't have been necessarily easy because it's the lad's first Champions League um, game. So I think he was a, a, a real, um, he was a real leader, I think, yesterday. And I think he led by example. Um, even in the first half, I, I sat there absolutely mesmerised by what he does with a football. Um, the little shimmy to get past people, it like it looks like you could probably do it, um, but I really doubt I could do it as as well as Thiago, to be honest, because um, it seems like if I tried it on FIFA or something, it'd never work. And yet he skips past people by just moving the ball to the right um, when like people should. You, you think the defender or the opposition player should realise he's right-footed. Let me make sure he doesn't skip onto his right ear. It's, it's it's the thing he does the most. And yet he still manages to slickly get past people. Um, but yeah, his diag balls, the short passing. Um, what I really loved about Liverpool was um, the, re- the, the way we recycled the ball, which obviously goes through him as well. Um, it was a case of not necessarily forcing it. And we had quite a lot of opportunities in that second half. Um, so yeah, it was it was a brilliant second half performance more than anything. But I think Thiago, in both halves as well as Ox, could have both been given man of the match. Thiago obviously was because he scored a wonder strike, which fair play to him because not a lot of many people can retire and and have a reel of a of a goal like that. Yeah, I think. Ox does deserve credit as well. Um, I thought the defensive contribution from him was was brilliant again, like it was against Arsenal, and he's been pretty relentless the last few games he's played. And you know, it's interesting you talk about Thiago being everywhere as well. I think that that's quite a good point because you see him, he kind of drops almost um to the edge of the penalty area between the centre halves, um when Allison's got it to almost kind of launch the attack. And then you also see um, you know. Every so often in the game, he'll be making, you know, a run into the box, kind of a late run. There was a, there was a moment yesterday where he and Mane were kind of scrambling to try and get a shot off, and he had a, he had a um a shot from a late run into the box against Arsenal as well. So he does, you know, cover a lot of ground. And I think another thing to mention yesterday um was that he very nearly had the, what would have been a top draw assist as well, um kind of sliding that ball through to Mane, who was very very tight the offside, um. So yeah, there wasn't just a goal. That was kind of the the, the eye catching moment from him, I suppose. But I want to talk down about Thiago in a more general sense as well. Um, obviously we've seen now the past couple of games he's he started, uh, came on against West Ham, and now he's back in the starting lineup um, after suffering an injury. Do you think that his level of fitness could be the difference between? Liverpool winning silverware and not this season? Is he that kind of influential player, do you think? I think he definitely could be, yeah. Um, <clears throat> because <clears throat> he's a joy to watch when he's on form, there's no doubt about it. But he does dictate football matches when he's at his best. And he's done it <clears throat> sort of fleetingly since he came in. I think we've seen it, Liverpool debut against Chelsea, and then the week after against Everton, which is obviously when he picked up the injury. Even in those two games, he'd only been at the club for a matter of weeks at the time, and he was unbelievable. And I think we all thought, okay, here we go. Because he almost added that extra dimension that we didn't have. You know, Chloe mentions how he can sort of run a game and just, like I say, dictate what happens. Because we've got, you know, we've always had the workhorses in midfield. We, I don't say we were lacking it because that's a little bit unfair, but 
adding someone with that eye for a pass and that vision and that ability to run any game was almost like the icing on the cake for Liverpool. And we just haven't seen it yet because, like I say, he got injured in that derby. He's been injured since. He's never really had a run of fitness. And if we can get it, then I think we've got, listen, his, his trophy cabinet speaks for itself. His individual accolades speak for themselves because he's, he's a world-class footballer. And, you know, rival fans don't slate the signing, but it's true it hasn't quite worked for him yet at Liverpool. We've seen glimpses and last night was another glimpse. We just, I agree. I think if we can keep him fit, he's potentially alongside, you know, your Fabinho's, your Van Dijk's and your Salas, he's potentially another really important factor in helping Liverpool do something special this season. I will say, you know, the last two games we've seen, he's been a lot better, but every now and then I wonder, he plays these passes that we would call sort of, not hospital passes, but they're risky. He plays that risky pass that almost lures the defender in and lures the opposition in. They think they can get that ball. And it's on the edge all the time. And sometimes he goes over that edge and he gives the ball away in a dangerous area. He's done it, you know, quite a lot during his short Liverpool career. And maybe he needs to cut that out because obviously, you know, that could be a problem moving forward. But there's no doubt about it. And obviously, Chloe mentioned his tackling. His tackling last season in particular was was woeful at best at times. So, listen, we've got a world-class footballer there in Thiago. And if we can keep him fit alongside you know, the likes of Henderson and Fabinho midfield. I think that's our perfect midfield. Um, and we'll come on to the Southampton game later, but I think that's our absolute ideal midfield. And that's no criticism of Oxley chamberlain etc. But for me, those three, that's, that's seriously good. And Thiago's a massive part of that. Yeah, and I think there's a sort of perception of Thiago as someone who's really safe with possession in a way. In the sort of sense that if he was on the bench in the game and you were leading by a goal, you'd be like, oh, maybe you put him on. And almost like, say, a, a Jorginho for Chelsea. Like, he'll just keep things ticking over and um, and help you manage the game because he's um, he can just sort of pass the, the opposition to death if, if he wants to. But I don't think that's quite accurate. Like you say, Dan, I think there have been moments where he has given it away quite needlessly. But, um, yeah, certainly I feel positive about him on the whole. But... Chloe, I want to give you an opportunity um, to, to kind of weigh in on that question about Thiago's sort of importance to Liverpool's ambitions this season. I think it's clear in the games that he's played and you've sat there and you've been mesmerised by him. You can tell that he can be a massive, massive factor in, in winning something this season. Not just is he an unbelievable footballer, but he's done it all before. It's just that simple. You know, he got man of the match in the Champions League final. He's won all these major trophies. He's played for Bayern Munich. He's played with some of the best players in the world. Um, And whilst playing with some of the best players in the world, he's still shone as one of the best players himself. So there's absolutely no doubt in the quality that he has. Um, It's just finding the right position, you know, making sure that he understands exactly what Klopp needs for him, doing exactly what Klopp needs for him and adapting in situations within the game. Because at times he did, at the beginning, he did look like a headless chicken at times. Be- just because the the problem is, is that midfield, it, the entire squad of Jürgen Klopp, when you play a game, it's so demanding because we've got an intensity like now with that. Maybe City is the only team that really can match us with intensity. And mi- the midfield is the engine for that. Um, and I think maybe at the beginning he, he struggled with the engine part of things, with 
um, the box to box he kept seeming to to maybe be caught out in the wrong positions when they were that when opposition was on the counter. Um, but I think that just comes with time. It comes with settling in, and it also comes with the fact of playing with a team that you expected to play with anyway. Um, because let's not lie or sugarcoat it. Half of the teams that he's been in, um, they've not been the team that he expected to to come in to Liverpool and play with. Um, and due to injuries um, from him and other players in the team. Um, of significance he's obviously had to just be thrown in and with other players around him who've maybe not understood the system as well it can isolate you and it can make you look not as good as what you are um, but with him in the midfield three of Fabinho and Henderson um, I think he can absolutely boss it you, you've got three players there with unbelievable passion really good movements off the ball um, you know Fabinho's passing's unbelievable. I remember a dink to Mane against Man United, which is an unbelievable goal uh, at home. And like, it's just, this is your engine. And I'm absolutely, I think the quality of Thiago is something that I don't think Fabinho or Henderson have per se in technique. I think, um, I love Fabinho and Henderson, but I think they do different roles. And I think Thiago is the one who, Everyone thinks that he probably gets more assists than he does, but instead he just recycles the ball. But he's that, like, silk with passing the ball that you just assume he's going to unlock a door somewhere. But instead, the balls that he does to move the opposition around, that's what gets you the spaces. He's not directly doing an assist or making an assist, um, but he most definitely is creating the space by his passing and his movement. So... I think there's no doubt that he can be a massive part of this Liverpool squad and you want him to be because we've paid so much for him. We've got high expectations of him and, you know, he is in his 30s. So it's kind of like he does only have several seasons to prove himself here, um, which he's already doing, isn't he, let's be honest. So, yeah, Thiago is going to be a massive, massive um, part of the squad if he can stay fit, though. I feel like that's what he struggled with in the sense of he comes back and play a couple of games and then he's out for like three months and you're like, where's Thiago? You need like to be relied on in that midfield because I don't think Ox is reliable. Curtis Jones is being out injured. Milne is being out injured now. So, you know, they really do have to make sure that they stay in good health and uh, stay fit um, because especially over Christmas, if someone gets injured, you're not going to have a chance to rotate um, because you just won't have the options there available to you. But yeah, as I say, he, he's one of the best passes of a ball that I've ever seen. Um, the technique, the way his body movement goes when, when he shapes up to pass it. Um, and like, as you say, he can find the passes that no one expects to see. He sees things on a football pitch that no one really does. Um, and that can unlock and that can move a defence so, you know, you've got the space in and around to work with. And it also helps when he's got the technician to be able to score absolute screamers from outside the box. Because um, we rely on our strikers too much at times, which I think this season we've done fairly good of getting midfield goals. Uh, goals from midfield. And if he can do that as well and add that to his game, then that'll be a massive, massive help to us. Yeah, and I think the sort of, the runs he's been making recently points to the fact he will get kind of a, a chance per game when, when he does play. Um, I think what you talk about in terms of his contribution, 
can actually be quantified. I remember sort of at the start of the season seeing the kind of expected threat graphs and stuff, and Thiago is like right up near the top in, in terms of the sort of how, how he you know makes attacks more dangerous really uh, through his contribution. So you know, for me, it's quite it's quite simple. As I think uh, I saw a tweet yesterday saying that basically from March onwards, when he was playing in a team with a structure that on the whole he'd been outstanding and I'd agree with that. I think overall it's increasingly clear that we're a better team with Thiago in it. Um, I'd say that for sure. And also the midfield, you know, especially the midfield that I alluded to, which we've seen so so sparingly because of injuries, um, just has the best balance, really. The team just looks more balanced with, with Thiago in it. Um, so... So yeah, it's about fitness, isn't it? Like like Chloe said, and um, that's why I mentioned before about being concerned that he's going to probably have to start three games in the space of a week. Um, although I think he has um, possibly come off in in both in both of the games so far, so it won't be the full the full whack of two hundred and seventy minutes. But um, staying on last night, um, let's switch to another um, member of the midfield, uh, Tyler Morrison. I had a look yesterday. Um, and he's the the sixth youngest uh, debutant for Liverpool in the Champions League, behind Billy Cometio, Mickey Roque, Martin Kelly, Danny Pacheco, and Trent. Um, so certainly up there uh, in the annals, I suppose. Um, Dan, what was your kind of assessment? Obviously, this isn't the first time we've seen Tyler Morrison, and we not the first time we've spoken about him on the podcast either. Yeah. But um, yeah, Champions League debut. What did you think? Yeah, I was impressed. Um, I think Chloe alluded to it earlier, you know, alongside Thiago. Um, so what a sort of learning experience that would have been for him because he looks technically pretty gifted himself, to be fair. Um, yeah, I think he did the simple things well. Certainly first half, I just think he tried to keep it quite simple in the first half. But then he grew into the game, um, I think, as Liverpool did second half. But him in particular, I thought he was... Yeah, really, really got better as it went on, to be honest with you. Um, played his part in the goals as well, um, starting attacks quickly. So, yeah, I think he the odd little flick here and there as well. So, you could tell his confidence was increasing as it went on. So, did nothing wrong um, and also got back defensively and helped out. I think one moment in particular, I think Canate was caught out um, and the ball was almost fired across the box and it was Tyler Morton who was getting back to clear. Um, and I think Alisson was particularly appreciative of that. So... Yeah, and I actually thought sort of midway through that second half, you know, maybe there is another play there. Because we always, as Liverpool fans, look at the squad depth and worry about it because we have picked up so many injuries, certainly in midfield. And there was a sort of moment of realisation for myself where I thought, you know, maybe seeing Morton a bit more second half of the season, certainly in sort of cup competitions when the FA Cup kicks in. There's not a lot wrong with that, in my opinion, based on last night. So, yeah, really good and really positive from him. Yeah, it's almost like when he's playing that role, like if you don't notice him, you know, throughout the game, then that's necessarily a bad thing, especially when it's a young player, you know, he didn't look out of his depth at all. And he did, like you say, Dan, have those moments. Uh, Chloe, what were your thoughts? I thought he deserved his chance and I thought he took it. Um, the thing I love about Tyler Morton is the fact that he'll ask for the ball anywhere on the pitch. He's got a man on him, it's sound. He'll ask for the ball and he'll turn that player inside out. And he did a lot of that last night. He was receiving the ball under pressure at times and just 
so calm and collected with it that he'd just turn and offload the pass again. And like, it was like, you didn't realise it, but he was moving the ball. Or, like, he was getting us up the pitch by just taking one player out the game because he'd been willing enough to ask for the ball with a player on his shoulder. Um, and, you know, I've said it so many times. I've looked at him and I've thought to myself, what a player. Um, and I did last night and it goes to show that, you know, he didn't make any errors. Um, I think, you know, the the chance that Dan's alluding to was in the first half. It's an unbelievable clearance um, because, you know, the first half we were under the cosh of it. And um, I think you look at it, we could have gone 2-0 down at least uh, in that first half and we didn't. And um, he, he did do some great tackles. Um, I didn't think he lost the ball much. But um, there was one part that I remember for, for Taki's goal that, that was disallowed. Um, he does the ball out to Nico Williams and it's a great ball. Um, and Nico Williams just touches it back inside to Salah. Salah touches it to Thiago. It's brilliant play. Um, if Salah leaves the ball, maybe uh, it goes straight through. Um, and it's it's a tap in for anyone in the box from the cross. But um, yeah, I just I just thought he was dead composed with it and. It goes to show in that position, when you get your chance, you don't need to do the unbelievable. You just need to do the necessary stuff. And the necessary stuff, you need to do it with perfection in a sense. Make sure that you're not losing it in dangerous areas. Make sure that you're just making the ball move. Continue moving the opposition. Um, keep breaking them down and just keep going at it because... You don't need to score a forty-yard strike or get a like as nice as it is to get a goal or whatever. You don't need to do that. You just need to play your position and play it well. Um, and I think he can be proud of that. And I think you saw Harvey Elliott after the game how happy he was for them. Um, and that also goes to show how good of a group of lads we've got. The fact that everyone is absolutely made up for the lad that in the space of one week he's got his Premier League debut and his Champions League debut. And uh, what a week he's had because in both of those games I think he's played pretty well since coming on uh, in the Premier League one and he definitely played well last night against Porto and these you know these aren't small calibre I don't, I don't want to say these aren't your Preston North Ends because you know I, I don't want to disrespect Preston North End but this is the Premier League and the Champions League it is a step up it is you know you don't get as much time on the ball someone's going to be on you as soon as you try and take a touch um, and his, his calm head, that he's so cool on the ball. Um, it is a bit ridiculous for a, for a lad who, you know, was going into his first Champions League night at Anfield. Like, he surely had nerves, but he did not show them in the game. I think it's clear, isn't it, that, that Klopp absolutely adores him. Um, and certainly he's a very, you know, popular person as well. That that Elliot moment that you alluded to um, kind of reflected that, I suppose. And I kind of got a bit ahead of myself before the game yesterday thinking that if you if you're thinking about the future of of the side the kind of department where you can see almost an, an academy lineup it is the midfield now um because you've got um morton elliot and jones i know technically we didn't um develop elliot but we, we've kind of given him his kind of his breakthrough um if you like so you've got kind of those three and you know you just kind of dream and wonder if maybe there's a future where they're kind of Liverpool's midfield, but, you know, probably won't work out like that. There'll probably be at least one kind of um, external player brought into that. But, but yeah, certainly um, looking like one of the brightest uh, prospects 
from the academy at the moment. And each season you always get like a couple of players who who emerge. And this season, um, we've not only had we've had you know Elliot looking really good, um, Mawson and 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 Kate Gordon as well, um, potentially, um, leading the way. So just um to wrap up the the pause so section of the podcast, I suppose, um, Dan, any honourable mentions uh, from yesterday that we that we haven't touched on so far performance wise yeah I think um, Nico Williams deserves probably sort of headline billing in this section to be honest I thought it was really impressive um, kind of under the radar in many ways in terms of as Chloe alluded to he didn't do anything particularly stand out he got involved in the attack second half but statistically he was fantastic in the game um, against a Porto side that did show the teeth and against Luis Diaz, who is by far their best player, in my opinion. So, yeah, I thought Nico Williams acquitted himself really well, um, especially given there's been a relative amount of hype around him in attacking situations in particular since he's been away with Wales. So, yeah, I think he did well. Um, and for me, the other one, I, I will just mention Origi. I thought he actually looked quite dangerous when he came on, like running at people, which is always good to see in him. Um, but for me... Andy Robertson, um, and it's someone we spoke about a lot recently because of Simicass's form, but I think Andy Robertson, when he came on, just looked like the Andy Robertson we all know and love, um, and I don't think he has been that in recent weeks. I've mentioned it a few times on the pod, but he just looked like he had a point to prove to me. Um, he looked like he had more energy. You know, He wanted to make something happen in the short time he was on the pitch, which... Is really good to see because the competition for places is something we spoke about previously and left backs really hot competition right now. And like I say, when Robertson came on last night, he just looked completely refreshed and completely, I'm going to get my place back. Whether there has been a conversation, obviously we're not sure, but he looked determined to nail down his uh, first choice left back spot again. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I definitely thought that there was a real like determination and, and dynamism about him. Uh, when he came on and I think on that code the interesting thing was that there's been a lot of talk hasn't there about have we misused him is he actually a right winger um, and maybe we thought we might see him there in this game but no he was at right back and whilst he did create a couple of chances going forward um, and maybe should have been involved in a goal like Chloe talked about before um, defensively he was he was certainly in the 1v1s he was a bit of a rock you know the stats he talked about Dan, I think it was 10 out of 11 uh, ground duels that he won which is um you know, pretty astounding, it has to be said. So, so fair play to him. Um, Chloe, anyone that Dan hasn't mentioned or that hasn't uh, come up so far? Um, I'd say Salah just for the fact that I think, you know, Salah and Mane, I've been kind of, crit- like, I've criticised Mane in the past and I think he's been much better this season. There's just that times where I think he's still in his head. I didn't see any of that really last night. I did think, you know, he continued to attack. He could have got a goal. Um, we do great build up in the in the first half, and he has a strike uh, at the Anfield road end, and I think it gets deflected out wide. I, I just think he was a bit relentless. Um, but I mentioned Doc earlier. I think he needs massive applauds for what he's done. Um, I thought he was brilliant last night, and like you said, him and Andy Robbo. It's like it's like Andy Robbo last night when he came on. He played like a person who knew my position isn't safe anymore. He really did. He, he he knew that he had to step up and he does have to step up because Tiz Mikas has been unbelievable. 
we haven't conceded the goal with Tismi Kass playing. Um, his cross, I think he's our best set piece taker from corners. I'm, I really do. Um, and I think, you know, Tismi Kass has him coming in and playing and getting off to a great start. It has gave Robbo a kind of kick up the, the arse in a sense because I think Robbo, we all thought he was untouchable in that position, the best in the world. And I think he still has a shout for that when he's, you know, playing very well. I think he can be the best in the world. But in recent form, I don't think he should have started against Chelsea. I don't think he should have started against West Ham. I think Tazmikas was the players for them. Um, but after last night, I think he is in contention against Southampton just for the absolute desire and press pressing that we saw from him. Um, and you could tell he, he knows that he's got competition there now. He knows that week in, week out, he's not guaranteed to play there. He might be guaranteed to play there because I think he's one of Klopp's favourites. But if, like, from the fans' perspective, I think he also knows that we absolutely adore his Mikas as well. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I do I do think him and Ox um, know that they've got something to prove. And I think they did they did prove it, in a sense, last night. It's great to have that uh, that battle there. It's almost exactly what uh, you would have wanted. And I'm going to be interested to see in a couple of minutes when we come on to the uh, lineups for Southampton, uh, who... Um, We've gone for at left back for the weekend. Um, last thing on Porto though, and uh, possibly being needlessly uh, picky because it was, uh, like I say, a performance where you couldn't really ask any more in the circumstances. Dan, was there anyone who was given an opportunity who you thought maybe didn't fully grasp it yesterday? Um, the only one sort of bringing into the conversation worthwhile is probably Canate, in my opinion. Um, and I don't think I've seen some criticism basically on him this morning, um, as we probably all have. But for me, I don't think there was any need to criticise him because we kept a clean sheet. You know, it was a it was a dead rubber prize of the match, and we've gone and won the match, so it's all good. But there were moments I mentioned one earlier on where he kind of steps out, and it's something we spoke about before in the pod about somebody else. But he steps out thinking they're going to play offside, and they're not. And it just looked a little bit of a communication breakdown. And maybe that's because he doesn't play as often as he'd like. Certainly not alongside Simicast, Matip, etc. And Nico Williams at right back. But yeah, I think he's got all the attributes, hasn't he? You know, you look at him, he's an absolute you know, powerhouse of a man. He's quick. He's, you know, he's physically so strong. He just brushes people aside. So he has all the attributes and all the makings of a top-class central defender. For me, the reason we haven't seen much of him yet is because he hasn't quite adapted to the way Liverpool play and to the Premier League and he hasn't quite learned sort of the arts of defending with Liverpool because we all know Van Dijk is an absolute master at it like he leads that back line Canate is not there yet so for me if you're going to play Canate without Van Dijk you might see these sort of teething problems and I think last night there's a few of them um but like I say I do think criticizing anyone is particularly harsh but there was definitely signs and there was definitely sort of sort of rationale as to why maybe we haven't seen as much of Canati as we'd like. Certainly without Van Dijk there, that that for me is probably the reason what we saw. Yeah, I think it's not just a case of, it's not really a case of finding something to, to criticise in a way. I think it's like we've had limited glimpses of, of Canati since he joined. Um, you know, he's played a few times, but we are almost kind of learning about him and Klopp's kind of um, and doing the same in a way when he does play so we can't it's important that we draw conclusions and I, I'd agree with that I think 
there were moments, don't get me wrong, where he made, you know, really important defensive interventions, but equally I think there were a few mistakes yesterday. Um and you talk about adapting to Liverpool, that's absolutely fine. You know, it's the November of his first season, he's a young player, I think. Um, not necessarily to to worry about, but um yeah, certainly signs there that there's still it's still kind of a, a rough diamond, maybe. Um and the only other person I'd say uh, potentially we wanted a little bit more from, uh, you know, in my opinion, was was Minamino. You know, there's been a lot of talk about, uh, you know, playing him in between Salah and Mane, and he had that chance yesterday, and I don't think we should kind of write off that um, idea purely based on yesterday because the team wasn't, you know, it wasn't this kind of, you know, really relentless chance creating unit that it would normally be. Um, because of the changes behind, but uh, certainly wanted to see a bit more from him in, in an attacking sense. I would have said I think his um, his application was outstanding. Like I think he covered the most distance on the pitch. He got back very enthusiastically. So good from that point of view. But um, yeah, like I say, maybe a chance that he didn't fully grasp. And I would have thought he'd be a little bit disappointed. But yeah, as I say, on the whole. A very positive night um, and 15 points out of 15 in Group B. So let's move on to Southampton and these lineups, first of all. So I guess the, the interesting thing is uh, the left back situation, certainly, and Oliver Pool going to go 100% full strength for this one with the, I think I'm right in saying the derby is on Wednesday next week. So, um, really intense period of the season where you might see one or two changes. Chloe, um, can I have your line-up first of all, please? Yeah, um, obviously Alisson in goal, Trent right back. Um, my other thing is Matip and being... I'm, I'm obviously going to go with him, but I hope it's not too much for him, too much game time in, in, in a week. So Matip and Virgil, uh, do you want me to leave the left-back to last or do you want me to do it now? You know what, you can do it now, yeah, and then, and then the rest. Right, okay. I'd say Andy Robber, and the reasoning is for that is because I think he'll be more likely to play in the derby, and I think you can't just throw him in the derby, you've got to get him minutes. So I think maybe he gets 70, 75 minutes, and then, then Tismi Fast replaces him. Um, but I think looking ahead to the derby, if if Klopp is going to play uh, Andy Robber, then you don't just want to throw him in on, on 15 minutes, you want to get him into a rhythm again. Um, but you've also got to make sure that obviously there's no risk of him re-injuring himself or you know making the injury worse or setting it off. So um, yeah, I, I'd go with Robbo just on that basis. In midfield three is obviously Fabinho, um, Henderson on the right of the midfield, and Thiago on the left. And the the front three speaks for itself: Mane, Jota, uh, and Salah. And um, hopefully with you know. On Wednesday, uh, the derby, maybe if we get a good enough you know, result in the first 70, 75 minutes, we can give um, other players chance and give our players rest. Because um, Mane, I could understo- understand the interpol, so I think he's not, I think in three weeks, he's, he's like not even hit 180 minutes without that quarter game. So I could totally understand that. Um, Salah playing every game. Uh, pretty much, I was a bit concerned. So hopefully we give some players rests if we're if we're in front uncomfortable. Um, but aside from that, you've got to go full strength, haven't you? Yeah, and I think on Saturday it's interesting. Like um, 
it, it looks to be the case that he's going to play as much as as he reasonably can because he just wants to score goals, doesn't he? And uh, I think Klopp knows that and won't want to be um, risking frustrating him a little bit by by leaving him out. Um, I'll do my, my lineup next and then uh, we'll come to you, Dan. So obviously Allison and goal. Um, I've gone with uh, Matip and Van Dijk partnership purely because uh, Van Dijk got the rest um, last night. Uh, Trent right back. I've gone with with Robertson as well. Um, my rationale is a little bit different. Don't get me wrong, Chloe. I think you're right. I think Klopp is going to go with Robertson for the derby. I think overall he still he, he likes his most trusted players, doesn't he? And Robertson's there in that trust. Um, but my thinking will be almost right. You've given Simicast the last two. Put Robertson in and almost say make it a bit of a shootout and if Robertson plays really well at the weekend he should start the huge game in midweek um certainly a huge game in terms of what it means to the club rather than maybe Everton's league position but um yeah so I'd go with with Robertson and if he doesn't necessarily play that well then I think it's probably wise to play Simicast at Goodison midfield um the uh, the trio we talked about Fabinho, Thiago, Henderson, ideally, but I do wonder if you put Milner in um, as a you know means of rotation. Really, um, Ox um, certainly deserves to stay in the team, but you know you've got to think about protecting him. So Fabinho, Thiago, Henderson is what I've got written down, but certainly wouldn't be opposed to seeing um, Milner in in one of the in either Thiago or, or Henderson slot. And then the front three, I've got Salah, Jota, Mane, Buss. Um, Maybe Origi goes at left wing for this one. Um, you look at the fixtures we've got over the next week, I'm pretty sure it's Southampton, Everton, Wolves. I'd say this is the easiest fixture, and it's obviously a home as well. Um, so if you're going to maybe give Origi a run in one of these games, it, it would be this one. Um, so possibly him. But uh, yeah. I've got kind of effectively a full strength team written down. I think there's a case to be made for one or two changes to that. So, Dan, um, have you made it a full house on Robertson or are you uh, saying Simicast for the third game in a row in your team? Yeah, I've gone Simicast. Um, I, I agree with the rationale you've both put forward for Robertson, um, bizarrely. But for me, it is Simicast. Sim, kind of based on what we've seen from Robertson last night, I loved um, you know, man possessed Andy Robertson. Um, and you don't want to poke a bear too much, and you don't want to annoy him or frustrate him by not picking him. But I also don't think Simicast deserves to be dropped just yet. So keep Robertson fighting for that place. You know, maybe Simicast plays the hour on Saturday or 70, and then Robertson comes on and wants to impress again. Because I would actually, I actually want to see Robertson in the derby because I think that's like you alluded to the bigger game, and I think. Robertson steps up to that occasion. Um, so for me, Simicast plays Saturday with the idea that Robertson comes back in midweek. Um, other than that, I've got exactly the same team as you as you two, to be honest. Um, I agree in terms of the midfield. I think we could easily see some rotation in there. I think Alex Oxley-Chamberlain does deserve to start. But I also really want to see that midfield three that I mentioned before of Fabinho, Thiago and Henderson. I've wanted to see that since Thiago joined the club. Um, and I don't think we've seen enough of it just yet. So I think in terms of getting them three minutes on the pitch together ahead of the derby and ahead of, you know, potentially bigger challenges to come, Saturday's the perfect time to do that. And also, I'd just like to say, 
we often see Jurgen Klopp name someone mad in the derby. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised at all if we seen an Origi starting midweek at Goodison or, or something along those lines because he's got a tendency to do that. I seem to recall Lallana starting every now and then when he hasn't really featured. So, yeah, wouldn't surprise me at all that. Maybe. Um, and, you know, you look at it, the, the schedule at the moment is particularly intense. We are going to see some surprising uh, decisions and he's going to look at it and say, when can I afford to pull these players out? I think that's probably the system that they'll go with. Let's get let's talk about Southampton more more generally, and then we'll finish off with some predictions. Um, Chloe, this has got to be a game, surely, that you feel very confident for against Southampton at Anfield. Um, you know, I'd say they've got a really good coach in Arsenal, but they look like a team who were who were sort of lacking the tools maybe to to pull off this kind of result. Or do you disagree with that? I think that they are quite dangerous. I think they're quite dangerous, but going into it at home at Anfield. You shouldn't be losing any games at Anfield. It's that simple. Uh, you've got the crowd. Even even the likes of Chelsea, City, you shouldn't be losing. Um, I think you cannot lose home games at Anfield, especially not against a team like Southampton. I don't mean any disrespect to them because I really, really like Southampton. Um, but if you if you lose to them at home or you drop points to them at home, I really think you're struggling to win a, t- a league title. Um, I do. It's just that simple. You can't drop points to teams like that at home. Um, and I think the pressure is on us because we're all expected to win. And I think Southampton do have some star quality players. Armstrong's being good. Shea Adams is being good. Um, you, you know, you've got the classic James or Prowse. Um, the other Armstrong in midfield who is a machine for pressing. Um, so. Uh, I, I like Southampton. I like the club. Um, I, I like the way they play. Um, we've had kind of a struggle, but in, in general, I, I for years now I've actually really liked Southampton. And I uh, used to say that if if anyone could win the league and it if it wasn't Liverpool, um, then I'd go with Southampton. And that's just because I don't mind them. I think they're quite all right, but um, they're not. You know sounds enough for me to say that I want them to get something from this game. Um, I want us to absolutely batter them because you're going into the derby next weekend and I want as much um, as much kind of... I think I say I want us to bounce into that game, but this this squad and team really seem like once they get a great result, they just dust it off. It's just a win and that's it. It seems like they don't get the confidence from absolutely battering someone they just see it as like the work they're just dead professional um but as a fan i'd like to stand there and, and watch a really good game of football and on which we dominate and control which we should do um get the crowd going um and and you know take a really good win um into a, a good win and a good run of form let's say into to wednesday because now it's just it's a game every two three days um and I love this part of the part like period of the football. But if you're in a bad run of form or if you dip, you get a loss, that's not great, or anything like that, um, an unexpected result against you, then it can knock you. Um, I don't think this team's like that. I think they can always bounce back. But obviously going into it, I'm always gonna say Liverpool winning. Um, and hopefully it'll be a, a very good and decent win for us. Um, so that we've just, you know, going into it. Um, we can just feel confident as fans as well because um, let's not lie, we can look at the league table, but, but, but when it becomes a derby, it means so much more. And um, 
everyone says the form goes out the window. Not always, it doesn't necessarily, but um, there is a lot of worrying jitters, um, the kind of, if you lose this, that's like, you know, against Everton. I don't think I'd leave me house in Liverpool, to be honest. I'd, I'd, I'd hate it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's one of those that you're also looking towards the next the next game, which is obviously the derby. So you really want to bounce into it. Yeah, and I think, you know, you talk about the the form maybe doesn't go out the window, but I think there's a risk that you get dragged into a bit of a battle. Um, and I think under the lights of Goodison against a team who plays sort of really quick back to front football, like Everton, I think it's going to be a really intense and difficult game for us. Um, although, whether Benitez is still the manager by then, um, I'm not sure. Uh, we'll see about that. But yeah, on Southampton, I think uh, I'm a big fan of the manager, certainly. Um, I remember they used to call him the Alpine Klopp when he um, when he sort of first rocked up in England. Uh, I don't think, though, that he has almost the players at his disposal to show how good a manager he is. I think his team's always look very well coached. I remember the game against United earlier in the season before we realised how crap United were, really, um, where they basically just hemmed them in, uh, certainly for large portions of the first half and got a good draw out of it. But then equally, I watched them basically get outclassed by Wolves. Um, that's the, the two times I've watched them this season, so sort of different pictures being painted there. Um, they've got they got Che Adams in really good form as well. I know you, you mentioned him, Chloe. Um, but, you know, equally, I don't think they're a team who poses a huge attack and threat either look. And they've scored 11 goals this season, which is a joint second worst in the Prem. And obviously, they got beat um, by Norwich last weekend. Um, Norwich, obviously, taking a bit of momentum, a new manager bounce and all that. But still, a pretty, has to be said, a pretty shameful result based on um, what we've seen from them so far this season. Um, Dan, your thoughts on Southampton? Yeah, very similar, really. Um, I quite like Hassan Hootle. Um I don't think they've recovered from losing Ings and Vestergaard, to be honest with you, this season. I think they were two massive players for them. Obviously, you know, your main centre-half and your main striker, you know, we we know better than anyone. You're going to struggle losing players of that ilk. Um, James Ward-Prowse, we're a massive fan of, I am. But like, like Chloe alluded to, we can't. There's no room for fangirling over the opposition here this is you know we want to win slash at least challenge for the Premier League at the end of the season so got to be ruthless you know we've already dropped points to Brighton at home so we can't afford to be doing that too often um so yeah Southampton do pose a threat I do wonder whether they'll really sit back and try and make life difficult we have this conversation every time we face pretty much anyone at home apart from Chelsea and City maybe but yeah, I think at the end of the day, we've just got to find a way of getting past these. Early goals always help in these games, don't they? So if we get one early, make them come and play a little bit, I think we'll have far too much for them. Yeah, I probably agree with that. And let's finish off um, with some score predictions. Um, Chloe, what do you reckon? Um, I'm going to say 3-1. I, I don't want to be negative and say that they'll score, but... I haven't been as impressed with our defence. I know you mentioned Kanata earlier and like criticising him a bit of, um, you know, and maybe doing some mistakes in the game last night. But I wouldn't say our, our defence has been top notch yet. And you can obviously understand that with players coming back um, like Virgil van Dijk and, and such. But um, we have conceded quite a few goals and the likes of the West Ham game, 
every attack it seemed like they could have <laughs> they could have scored. Um, so defensively, um, I'm not worried, but I wouldn't be surprised if they managed to get a goal. Yeah, I think they're going to pose pose a threat and, and have their moments in the game uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, it certainly would be nice this kind of game to come out of it with a clean sheet. That's probably what you'd expect. Um, I'm going to go for 3-0. I'm actually feeling reasonably confident for this one. Don't worry about going for the same one, Dan. We tend to avoid it. So it, it's all right. It's all right occasionally. How did you know? I could tell um, from the side. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I am going to change it though. I have got 3 0 written down, but I'm going to change it um, just because I'm sure you're going to tell me how we're getting on. And also, Chloe's inclusion, how that's going to change things. But I'll go 4 0 um, because I think we might get that early goal that I alluded to a second ago. Um, I also just want to say hopefully Ralph Hassanut will be crying on the side for a different reason, <laughs> for a different reason this time. That's absolutely brutal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think predictions wise, yeah, it was all. Um, it was all plus one last week as we all went so it would be as emphatic. I suppose the question is, do we give Chloe the the guest score up to this point, or do we just have a clean slate and say now that you know that Chloe's gonna be on um as a permanent fixture? Yeah. Do we uh does does Chloe deserve to have uh <laughs> I would say clean slate personally. Yeah, the clean slate. So I I'm, can guarantee, I'm... yeah. I will not get any of them. I, I come out with some mad shouts, you know. I really like being a bit mad with the predictions. So, um, I think they, even if you start off with a clean... United, so you're all right. <laughs> I think even if you start off with a clean slate, you'll probably be miles ahead of me within three weeks, but it's absolutely fine. Well, do you know what? In a way, I suppose I'm I'm being penalised for that United prediction by four of yeah. my five-point lead. So, Come on. Um, yeah, we'll call it, that's what we'll call it. But yeah, that's gonna about uh, wrap us up uh, for this week. Um, yeah, so we'll get final thoughts from both of you, Chloe. First of all, um, looking forward to it uh, because we've got I think three games at home, six away in December. So um, and I, th- I don't think we have a, an away game till uh, Aston Villa, which is like three weeks away. Um, a home game, sorry, till Aston Villa. Um, so. You've got a, a kind of weight, haven't you? So I am looking forward to it. Um, hopefully a good result. And uh, I'll be happy at least on Saturday night and up until we obviously play um, on Wednesday. I'll be I'll be fine until about 7.55 on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I, I'll tell you how I feel on the Thursday. <laughs> and Dan? Yeah, similar. Um, I love this time of year. Well, we're just about to approach my favourite time of year in terms of just football. You know, no more international breaks to worry about. Um, we're getting towards that Christmas period, which is just incredible. Um, and also Boxing Day, which is the best day of the year by far. So we're getting there. Um, and yeah, I just think, you know, we've got to start this period right in, in the past. Just quickly, I think in the past, when we've looked at Liverpool's fixtures and like busy periods, we think we've all thought, oh, no, this is tough. And then we'll look back on it and we've come away with, you know, all wins or undefeated at least. If we can do that again, then our credentials suddenly skyrocket. So, yeah, let's have it. Absolutely. And we'll see if um, having players back to fitness uh, makes a difference over this period in terms of our title credentials. So, yeah, that is going to be all for this week. We're going to be back um, this time next week to reflect on the derby. Um, So we'll see you then.